fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. How's it going? I can't we believe feel? everyone died. <laughs> Even the crew. They went in, they went, went out into the crew audience and just just slaughtered everyone. I mean, I, I, I give them credit for completely pulling the wool over our eyes, convincing us there were spin-off series, but then killing off those characters, that was ballsy. <laughs> uh Okay, that didn't happen. Look, look, they. I know this is the last episode of a series that we've paid attention to. Some of us more than others. <laughs> but could they? Could they just not afford like an epilogue episode to kind of wrap it up? Because I'm confused as fuck as to what that was. Well, it's it's the lead in to the Rick and Michonne series. Yeah, I know. And. So yeah. what they've they've done is they set up by putting okay we have to I don't know I let's start let's start a little simpler did you enjoy it I have mixed feelings but overall I think I did yeah I feel as, you go ahead Curtis as endings go I thought it was pretty sloppy. Mm. Well, I thought, I think that it did a pretty good job. Uh, I feel, I feel like I'm emotionally satisfied. I'm not like, I'm not going, well, what the fuck was that? that anything really that I wasn't kind of expecting to already be like, well, what's that supposed to mean? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way, really. I mean, you know, it was, I'm not unsatisfied. I'm not overjoyed. Look, the important, the most important thing about this, about any kind of story you're going to tell is to know what the fuck the ending's going to be. And uh, I don't think they had any idea until six or seven episodes before it ended. Okay, so we can get into this, but first of all, this is the Zompocalypse Now podcast. We're pretty sure Yay. you that because you're listening to it, which means you clicked on it and like the logo is there and stuff, but that's what this is. And we are talking about the final episode of The Walking Dead, the main show, because we are getting our spinoffs. This is season 11, episode 24. The and end, the last one, not... Not until next week when there are six more episodes scheduled. This was it. This was the end. <laughs> Except it's not the end. And I am Timothy Harvey. I'm Gushton. I'm Curtis. And so, Curtis, this actually is very close to the ending of the Commonwealth arc in the comic. I was going to ask about that first thing, actually. So say, how does this differ from in the comic? In the comic, Rick is still alive, or Rick is still with everybody up through this point, right? Mm -hmm. And he ends up, he and, and the rest of the survivors 
which is a very different makeup than what we've got for this show, because Carol's long dead, for example, and Daryl doesn't exist in the comic. And Rosita's been dead forever. Rosita's been dead for a long time. Um, they, they overthrow the Commonwealth, and then the governor's son kills Rick because he's destroyed everything. He's ruined, you know, he's, he's thrown his mother in jail and everything is ruined now. And so he kills Rick. And so the second to last, I think, no, it's like the third to last issue of the comic is you see Rick getting shot. And the next, uh, it, the second to last issue is dealing with the fallout from Rick being killed, right? Uh, Carl is still alive in the comic. They, I can't remember if they kill the governor's son or not. I think they throw him in jail too. I can't remember. But then they set about rebuilding the world, right? And the last issue of the comic jumps forward decades to show what the new world looks like. Yeah. It was all grown up and, and you know, there's um, Maggie's son has turned into a traveling, he runs a traveling show with walkers and one of them gets free and Carl kills it. And then Maggie's son sues him for destroying his property i mean it's it's like it's like the fallout like this how this new world just looks like ours but not like ours right yeah completely different and you know like it's it's one of those things where it's like you you kill you shot my walker do you know how hard those are to find like (laughs) you know and he's like uh you you know what these things are right they're like flesh-eating dead things well, the, the whole, the, they have this whole conversation where it's like, we are so lucky that we made it through this. And just one of, I killed it because if just one of these things finds its way into a settlement, it could all, it could be all destroyed. We could lose everything again. And, uh, and that was really good. So he takes him to court and turns out that the judge is Michonne. And Michonne hears them out and is like suck it up Herschel um <laughs> actually I think she I think she requires Carl to pay him I think she's like okay here's you know here's your pittance of money go away right and you got to remember that in the comic book uh Michonne and Rick did not end up together so there's not uh there's not nepotism involved where Michonne Rick ended up uh Rick in the comic book ended up with Andrea mm-hmm. and Michonne ended up with Ezekiel. And so with Andrea dead, Michonne took over the Andrea role in the TV show and Carol, who had not died, took over the role of, Mich- of uh, Michonne from the comic book. So in the TV show. In many ways, the ending of the show is very close to the ending of the comic. That doesn't sound close at all. There's well, we didn't, we don't, we we well, didn't jump decades. Uh, and honestly, years. honestly, Curtis, the ending of the comic book is universally panned by fans. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like kind of a letdown ending. And know? they didn't because and nobody announced like they didn't announce that the the book was ending. It was just like you got to the end of this weird book about like the it's been decades or whatever and it's just like all right that's the end that's the last one 
Hope you liked it. Well. And and Kirkman tried to be like, well, you know, really in this Walking Dead, you would never know when it was going to end. And it's like, ah, shut up. Didn't I say last Robert week? Kirkman. Didn't I? Didn't I say last week that uh, it was it was going to be a, a, a how does it end? You decide kind of ending, and <laughs> and it's I wasn't wrong entirely. Well, they they bring you to a point where we end this arc, we jump forward just a year, right? Then we can set up our spinoffs just just far enough to into the future to be like, do they live in Star Trek times now? <laughs> and 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 the thing we all said they're gonna burn this fucking place to the ground we've said it ever right. since they came to the commonwealth and uh well they only managed to get part of it but they got the part where all the rich people lived so yeah that was great little social commentary there well and i think in fairness it was a lot of social commentary in this one. Oh yeah the the convenient placing of that of that in living color song uh to all to remind us all that our that our society is built on a cult of personality and they're mm -hmm. about to end theirs in fairness though i like the fact that princess was the one who was there because it seems like a something that she would pick she yeah. would be like going i am making this pointed piece of social commentary <laughs> <laughs> because you know that album was not sitting in the governor's mansion no you know the governor was like i don't even know who these people are <laughs> but princess princess found that record in, a, in in one of the shops in the commonwealth and went I'm, this is my own personal thing. And she's like, I've got the perfect song. <laughs> I have that. Well, she I ran the record store. Right. I have that record album over in my stack over there. I have like four or five albums. That's all I got. But I have that one. So that was that was nice. I have a movie. I have a, I have a prop from the show that I can put in a frame. It says, Walking Dead prop, not screen used. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have a thing from the show I have, a, I have a prop replica is what i have yeah and if you ask adam savage that counts <laughs> so shall we try to to unfuck this pig or are we well it's like it's like where do we start everything is chaos yes uh as we left off last last week the governor and her trusted soldiers and the richest one percent of the commonwealth have found their way into the uh that's called the estates which is the place where all the really rich people live and they have locked themselves in and locked all of the poor people out which you know is not particularly good governance in my humble opinion so Daryl is carrying uh, Judith, who has been shot in the shoulder, uh, which I love how on TV and in movies, shot in the shoulder is like, well, they'll be fine. Just put a bandaid on it and it's okay. Right. And like ignore the fact that we have like a shit ton of our major blood vessels and nerve and nerves and all that stuff is all right here in our shoulder. I always think that's that's really funny. Let's just, you know, yeah, let's have the baby get shot in the shoulder. She'll be fine. 
There was a Bruce Willis movie where he gets shot in the shoulder and then his friend shoots him through the same bullet hole to kill a bad guy. Right. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, that looked like it hurt, too. (laughs) So um, they get to the hospital just in time to see that it has been completely raided by the governor's troops and uh, Daryl is knocked out. A uh, little ass kicker wakes up just long enough to close the doors and seal them uh, so no walkers can get in. And then she passes out on the floor right next to him. And it's like, oh, no, is the baby going to die? Uh, but no, of course, they're not going to kill that baby. There is no, no way in the world that Jude, like, if anyone has on-screen Teflon plot armor, <laughs> it is Judith Grimes. Yeah. Really all the children of the of that world. Right. Because uh, cause there's some crazy ass shit that happens in the show, specifically this tonight, the, specifically involving baby. This is also the first appearance of the strongest glass ever made by humans in the history of glass. Now I have some engineering experience with glass, and I would like to to explain why that's not surprising at all. Okay, go ahead, do a thing. Um, when I when I was working somewhere, we did we used to do uh, tests on high strength glass mm-hmm. on on tempered glass in particular. It was it was very much part of our product line to have strong glass. So what we would do is we would hook a um, like a clamp to the top of it about a uh, about a three foot tall piece of glass and it would be kind of it would be in its base but there'd be a clamp on the top of it and we would start applying uh, lateral pressure to see how far it would bend mm-hmm. and um, tempered glass will bend let's see make a c with your hand right make a c with your hand and the top of your fingers basically your palm to the top of your fingers is how far it'll bend. It'll, it will, it will bend almost 90 degrees before it snaps. The entire thing will shatter and fall to the floor. It was an amazing thing to see. Now, what, what I didn't believe about when the zombie was hitting the window with a rock was, uh, that there were cracks emanating from that hole because tempered glass jesus christ this is going to be a boring episode if i keep on about this but welcome to uh temper talk with curtis smith well yeah well basically uh there are two tensions inside a piece of glass the outside tension and then the let me guess the one who wins is the one you feed yes (laughs) but basically if you if you if you tap the corner of a piece of glass with something that will chip it that will release all of the tension throughout the entire piece of glass and it will completely shatter and fall to the floor. So having little cracks emanate does not make sense. It would scale off just a little bit and explode. But you got to remember that you got to have that good tension, buddy. You got to have that. That's, that's all that's that's, sweet sauce. Now, now saying that it's not that surprising doesn't, doesn't mean that I didn't uh, kind of enjoy it when, that glass let go and the zombies started coming in because I thought, oh yeah, we're cranking it up now. I'm just, well, you gotta, okay. the, I'm just thinking more about the pressure of all those zombies on that glass. It's the, a lot the, of weight. 
piece of glass that size can can hold hundreds and hundreds of pounds hundreds and hundreds i i'm gonna defer to your expertise <laughs> to me it was just like surely one of these zombies had bro would have broken through the glass by now yeah because the, the tension on the on the test glass that we were doing it was like 800 pounds something like that to get it to bend that far so and, anyway yeah so um, anyway. we got I'm going to uh, edit all of that out, probably. <laughs> that was so boring. Sorry. Okay. So everybody else gets to the hospital uh, with the exception of Fantastical Beast and his girlfriend. Remember them? They showed up two weeks ago to be like, hey, guys, yeah. remember? We used to be on this show. Yeah. we get an explanation as to what has happened at Riverside or Oceanside? No, we do not. We just have to be like this we we'll just, just have to assume oceanside's fine now just call them uh just call them cool whip and salad dressing right <laughs> uh, we also yes we also see not a single shot of megan's wife which is yeah, where the fuck did she go they, remember they left a bunch of people in alexandria oh yeah yes yes of course yes but it is very strange to not see her in this episode at all yeah uh we get to uh the, uh, we, we're on our way to the hospital and we're almost there and Fantastical Beast's girlfriend gets randomly attacked by a walker. Like, it's one of those things that's like, why did she didn't do anything? She didn't say anything. It's very much like the walker that bit Lydia last week that just kind of reached out with his, with his big old teeth and did it for no reason. Because uh, she was covered in goop. In fact, Aaron spends the entire episode covered in goop. Apparently, while standing next to people who are bandaged up, guys, zombie goo is not sanitary. Do no. not let the guy covered in, in goo stand next to the woman who has had her arm chopped off and is now getting rebandaged. It's like it's like that guy is so used to zombie goo. He's good. He uses it for sex lube now. Yeah. Well, apparently there's no other clothes in the entire remaining city that fit Eugene because he spends the entire episode after after all we get our happy pseudo happy ending and Eugene is still wearing his gore covered clothes. Right. Well, he gets to spend. Yeah. Eugene gets to spend the entire time in the suit that he was given to stand doesn't trial even, it. Doesn't even loosen his tie. <laughs> doesn't so, even. Well, the best part is, is the suit doesn't fit him. Yeah. Well, a guy like him is going to be hard to find a fit and suit. His the sleeves on that suit are like four inches too short. <laughs> He's walking around like... <laughs> it does make sense to put that guy in an ill-fitting suit, though. Because oh, he's, yeah. he's only going to wear it to his funeral. Right. You know, that, that was the idea. Fuck it, we'll bury him in it. <laughs> okay, so... Uh... Fantastical Beast's girlfriend is being munched on by zombies, and he's trying to get her, and then he gets bitten on the Achilles tendon by a, a, a walker, and then they get him into the hospital, like pull him away, and get him into the hospital, and they try and cut off his leg, and we discover, I think for the second time, I really feel like I really feel like Daryl gave Carl blood in season two. It's possible. Or Rick gave it. No, Rick gave it. But it's it's very much like there's a lot of homages to the early seasons of this show in this episode. So the fact that Daryl gave blood to Judith is an homage to Rick giving blood to Carl in season two. 
circular storytelling yes is what and that's that's what that's probably called yeah so anyway uh judith wakes up and she's like i'm not gonna die and and carol and daryl are like no of course you're not gonna die you are gonna be just fine what did she say about her parents back when michonne left she told judith why she was going that she found some sort of evidence that rick was alive or had been alive at this time and she was going to go try and find him and judith didn't tell daryl because she was afraid that if he went if he knew that rick was alive he would leave her too and go and try and find michonne to help find Daryl for by rick and so she kept that a secret and she was apologizing for that okay because she, she knew like she knew that her mother didn't just abandon her but she and she knew the real reason and decided not to tell anybody i see so we get just enough time to have fantastical beasts die and it's actually pretty sad because he dies with the group that he came in with so sur like surrounding him and like telling him how much he's loved and and how you know how much that he means to them and all that stuff and it's kind of it was kind of sweet it's a really it's beautiful sad that is let down by the fact that he just showed up two episodes ago right if he had been back with the show for more of this season that scene would i mean it, like i said it's a really good scene i think it's shot well it's scored well the performances of you know but we are so far removed from seeing this group of people operating as a group together then we it's, it's been what two three years yeah so it's a really beautiful scene that doesn't go far enough and is not as effective as it could be only because we've had this actor who just like popped back up he's like hey guys i'm here to you know do my victory lap on this show and and die horribly it's gonna be wonderful that was that was kind of didn't we like kind of all understand that that here's a guy we haven't seen in a while now he's popped yeah. up again oh yeah so we maybe could have predicted that that uh he would be one of the deaths and i think yeah. he did i think we called that i think i think, I think it's it's fairly easy to make that connection um and yeah i think we did but it's also i mean this was a good scene it was a it was a scene scene that shows you know the loss of a friend for a group of people just yeah. a punch to it you know yeah i would always i would hate to be the one to have to stab my friend in the head yeah i think that would be real tough that, that's the um, so anyway uh they don't but they don't waste too much time like kvetching over this because they have got to get out of the hospital because it's been compromised so they all run down the halls and there's like a couple of moments where like they turn a corner and there's walkers right there and stuff and i don't know if they did this on purpose but i but in there's a shot where they're like everybody's coming around a corner and there's walk like there's it's a t junction and people come down the hall and they take a, a left and there's walkers in the right hall and like it looks to me like carol runs right into one's arms like <laughs> <laughs> from the angle of the camera it looks like carol just like ran smack dab into the sky this you know and they're like well i guess that's that'll be fine that's gonna be a 
totally fine tank. Uh, but they all escape from the hospital and they go to a safe house, which somehow magically is oh no, first uh they break they break Mercer out of prison because the prison's been overrun and there's walkers in there and there's one at his door trying to bite him. Trying to get it and bite him. And uh and Princess and uh Cat come and save him. Uh, and then they go to the soldiers' barracks and gather as many guns and things as they can or as that are left so that they can try and take the estates, essentially, get somewhere safe. And they start rounding up the soldiers who are still loyal to Mercer. Yeah. What we also have going on is Rosita and Gabriel going after the kids right which yes i just i just again i just i want to know who is in charge of watching these babies like do these babies because they have okay they get to the daycare where the kids are being held and it's been overrun and there are walkers in there and they've eaten the staff and Rosita freaks out and she runs into the room and somebody has turned the crib over so it's like a little cage and it's got three little babies in it and a walker is on the floor reaching through trying to reach to these bars to this these babies and those babies are screaming terrified and I know that they did it on set. They let those babies get, because there is one of them, like they show that baby's face and he's, his eyes are this big and his little 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 pupils are just pinpricks. And I was just like, oh my God, they traumatized these babies for this show. But they end up saving them. Rosita goes completely badass wolf mom all over these zombies. It's just like, it's it's a great sequence. I mean, uh -huh. so we've seen Rosita do this kind of thing before. Remember when the storm hit Alexandria and they're trapped in the house and the zombies are outside and Rosita goes, I'll take care of it. And she throws open the door and goes out. Yeah. And we get this badass scene where she's like, come at me. It's that kind of thing, except it's in a it's in a room. It's a lot smaller, but she is just like, well, and then she does it again later because they escape. Uh, Eugene and Gabriel and Rosita each get a baby strapped to them for extra padding and comfort, and then they head towards the hospital. Uh, and they get there just about the time that everybody else has tried to escape, uh, and they get caught. They stuck in this ambulance and so they have to like try and get out of the ambulance and climb a pipe and get into the second story of a random building to get away and this none of these things seem like super great ways to go about escaping with babies strapped to you but what do i know i'm just a person who lives in the world it's very dramatic right so they get out of the ambulance and they send Eugene up the pipe first, which is like, don't send Eugene up the pipe first. But he, like, they must have all been bitten by something radioactive because Eugene climbs up that pipe like a pro and then Gabriel does it 
and then Rosine is about to do it. And again, this is one of those weird things where it's like, there is no way she could have held off those walkers by herself to even start going up that pipe. Unless the walkers had stood like stood away and like, all right, it's uh it's her turn to go up. We could gotta give her she's gotta get at least four feet before we can start grabbing at her ankles. That's basically what happens. I was I was very incredulous as to Eugene's ability to haul his haul his ass up with no fucking foothold at all. No. In dress shoes, him and Gabriel are in dress shoes. <laughs> I'm just pleased that the pipe held the weight of adult human beings because most of the time those things are I mean, yeah, there are times when they are bolted onto a wall very securely, but a lot of times they're not because they don't need to be. They're not meant to be weight-bearing, human weight-bearing uh, additions to your home. Well, <laughs> Indiana Jones's witch had a whip had a metal core so he could swing with it. That's what they do. I mean, it's, they it, make it work for the story. I guess you don't. It, it's again, The Walking Dead is a show that if you think too much about anything you'll go blind so just don't do it <laughs> there are better ways to go blind exactly <laughs> i'm working on mine Woo. <laughs> anyway what, so <laughs> all right now no not right now curtis <laughs> family no. show the family show no is it we can you can you can uh pitch your only fans later <laughs> only at the end fan. At the... only fan right <laughs> only so... fan. <laughs> just the one just the one so rosina starts up this pipe but then immediately falls back into the horde of walkers but then she does that it's a very much like you know in like 300 when the guy is covered by soldiers, the enemy soldiers, and you think, oh, he's he's done for. And then all of a sudden, all the soldiers like burst away. Yeah. And it's like uh, it's uh, the uh, sheer power of this person's like animal energy is like pushing away the enemies, and they're able to fight like a tomcat or a I thought of 300. I thought of the the third Matrix movie. Oh, yeah. With that yeah. really terrible sequence where where everyone is animated poorly. And and the, the thousand Smiths attacking. Or I guess it was the second one, but it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a great looking shot. I mean, it looks very very cool. Um, she's got this like antique African uh, toothy sword, right? I don't I don't know what exactly that weapon would be called, but boy, does she wield it, right? And she is able to escape. She's able to like climb up on the ambulance and then make a monkey jump to the to the pole and then like shimmy. She's able to jump across probably four or five feet to the pole, grab it, and then shimmy her way up the rest of the way to get into the into the window. Uh, and it's like, yes, yes. Meanwhile, well, we, we were all very, very relieved that she made it, probably. Right. Meanwhile, we have one of the smart walkers who has climbed up on the back of the ambulance, as she does, who will then immediately vanish 
when the angle of the shot changes. Yeah. And he's just like not there. So I wondered where he went. We have more proof of teleporting walkers. We see them when they come in. We almost never see them when they go away. So right. I was I was very pleased to fi finally have confirmations that walkers can teleport. It was on the show. We all saw it. It's true. I think they even had a sound effect that went boop. <laughs> <laughs> so all of our guys get away. They all get to the safe house Mercer has that somehow is inside the perimeter of the estates. So one of his soldiers said something along the lines of, we've got a way in, but it's all very hand-waved. It's like, we don't see any sign of how that happened or how that way in is secure because, you know, there's like a bazillion walkers outside. Well, right. thank goodness they don't have one of those editors that will show a guy getting out of a car and then walking an entire distance to whatever door they're trying to get to. And then another scene happens. Right. I, but I understand that. I understand that, you know, that there are certain minutia that we, you know, that having somebody say, oh, we can do this uh, kind of negates. And I get that. But their safe house is inside the estates or their their new safe house is inside the estates with the perfect view of gov of the governor standing at the gates watching the people cry and try and get in well yeah. and it's also cl close enough to do that but also far enough away to hide all of the soldiers that have come along with them because nobody noticed this truck full of soldiers and other people just show up i mean okay <laughs> sure. i mean they're very stealthy we know that but i mean there's a whole lot of people who suddenly you know find their way here it's yeah well we're all comfortable in the house now and now max is taking a nap and uh braided mullet guy is uh chilling and then he decides to go talk to rosita Boy, does she right. have bad news. Yes. Eugene does it in that tw uh, Mark Twain way of his, where he does a monologue about, you know, I can't wait for in the summertime when we can take this baby and throw her in the ocean and see if she will float. <laughs> you, will still, you will still be around in the summertime, will you not, Rosita? You my best friend. And, uh, of course, Rosita is like, nope, I actually won't because I got bitten by uh, a walker when I was escaping, when I was underneath that huge pile of them. Uh, which, actually, uh, I am okay with because what they have done is given her Andrea's death from the comics. Mm. Because An Andrea, I don't remember what she was out, they were out doing something. And they got attacked by walkers on their mission. And they it was one of those things where it's like, oh, we, it looks like we all escaped. And then Andrea uh, realizes that she has a very, very small scratch on the back of her neck. And that's essentially where Rosita is bitten, is the back of her neck. Now, and I think it is far enough down her back to make you wonder why there is not a hole in her shirt where the walker would have had to have bit through the shirt to bite her back. But 
there is a would Dustin was it you who sent us the video that was the the young lady uh pointing out that people in the Walking Dead universe get bit in unlikely <laughs> locations right where they have to peel back their clothes to show right. it it's like <laughs> and it's one of those things but it's still and what I liked about this scene is that Eugene knew what was going on as when he started talking about the very first time he even mentioned the summer you could tell he already did yeah I mean it wasn't it wasn't him like everything's gonna be fine it's I want everything to be fine and it's not is it um he read for somebody as awkward and as bad with people that Eugene started off at he walks around that couch looks at her and he knows without her having to say a word yeah and i really love the way that they kind of you know i'm glad they gave us a a bit gave her a bit of a peaceful death because she's around long enough to kind of see that things are going to be okay which is really good uh and then she gets to say goodbye to every all of her friends and you know and I thought that was really nice. I liked the way that they did that. So Rosita dies. Uh, well, not yet because no, she she makes it all the way through the rest of the episode, right. where like I said, where she gets to see that everybody's going to be okay, where they're going to make it, and then she dies. I don't think we need to con like like belabor her point anymore because she's pretty much done. That's no, the only we... reason I just kind of skipped over it. I yeah, I, mean, I would have been a little i don't know man if it were me i'd be like you you seriously not gonna put any plastic down on that bed (laughs) i mean we're gonna have to stab this bitch in the head in a minute yeah the the pillows are gonna be very bloody but well you know i'm sure that they like took her body out and you know put it in the in a safe place and then did it eugene did it he did it after we cut away from it that's why he yeah that's the other reason he's there i loved and i loved how she got to like spend a lot of time with her baby and like when she goes to the, her deathbed you know she's attended by carol and maggie like these are the women who have been on this show for the longest and they got to really like and you know these characters rosita and maggie and carol and eugene are and Gabriel are our characters that have been there the longest and so it's a it was a good kind of mirroring of the scene we got earlier where uh where Fantastical Beasts team got to like see him off of course his was much more traumatic and sad but you know at least they all got to be together there at the end so let's back up in time a little bit because now we're all in the house and we're trying to decide what we're going to do about the governor who's right there. Like, how are we going to, what are we going to do? How do you solve a problem like Pamela? <laughs> and Mercer is worried that he is not going to have enough clout to like turn the tides and let to have them get all the people in, but they want to go and try and get as many people into the estates as possible. Meanwhile, uh, Negan is trying to convince Maggie to go with him and just kill Pamela. Uh, and finally, she says no. 
he asks her a couple of times and then she sees him like gathering up a rifle and heading out oh her she, rifle he's yeah. he's gathered up her her, her bag oh oh stabby and, and shooty things and he's like fuck this i'm on my own she's yeah, like what's his deal with stealing weapons all the time it's, this is kind of his thing yeah he's good at it and she's like where are you going with my stuff half your shit <laughs> he's like well and I, I this is i had a little bit of a problem with this scene because in this scene megan tells maggie that he really didn't understand how she felt about glenn dying until he was on his knees with his wife standing sitting right next to him thinking oh no she's gonna die we're all this is over i've i've lost everything uh this is the first time that he uh, he really recognized it and i don't think that's true i think that we've seen this evolution of negan over the course of the last several seasons where it's become very obvious that he's wrecking i mean i mean they gave us a little bit of it last He's recognized that, that he was the villain, you know? Wasn't he even a little sad about or mad at cancer because of his wife and the origin story of him? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that the, the what this scene, I think, is trying to do, and I don't think it's clear enough, is Negan can understand it intellectually, but he didn't feel it. He was not in the position of being Glenn and or being Maggie. He understood it because he's smart and it turns out Negan's actually pretty empathetic, which has been something he's tried very hard to not be for a lot of years. But it doesn't come across the right way, you're right, because yes, he does know what that feels like. He does right. know what it feels like to lose someone. And, but he was never in the position, that exact position, on your knees, about to die, that way. So yeah. it's, again, we're coming, we're, we're doing this echo of what Glenn went through. And so he's got a deeper understanding, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not, you know, it's a, I guess there were too many words involved with saying, I understood intellectually. I knew I understand pain. I understand loss, et cetera. So, you know, and, and him explaining it better. So he says it like that. And it's like, okay, right. I think this, this is what you're trying to do. I get it. But it's a clumsy bit of dialogue. Yeah. So he is like, I'm going to go, I'm taking this burden away from you. I'm going to go kill Pamela because, because yeah, they're going to shoot. They're going to, uh, you're going to be the target. Whoever's going to do that is going to be at ground zero. And, and Maggie thinks about it for a second, and then she's like, all right, let's go get this done. And she takes the rifle, and they go up to the roof to prepare to take down, uh, take down Milton with a, with a sniper's bullet. So, so that's when everyone else decides they're going to try a much more direct approach, and they just go out there, and they're like, you've got to quit it. Well, wait, Mercer's like, okay, I can't, I can't stand by and do this. Let this happen. I got to go take care of it. This isn't your fight. Yeah. And and Ezekiel's like, uh, yeah, it is. 
Yeah, this is all of our fight. This has been. <laughs> and reminder, he was the leader of a community. He yeah, is... I love that. I love that too. We'll get to it more when in, in another Pamela scene, but they they do that at, at a point where it's like these people led communities already. Anyway, so they all go out there and they're like, "You open those gates," and Pamela's like, "I will not do it." And uh, and they have just like this weird like argument where like the the soldiers don't know who to point their guns at it's very much like like a like a mute like a, a mutiny on the bounty kind of situation feeling you know it's like who who do you be loyal to who is right and who is wrong and it was just a little stupid like a successful insurrection maybe mm, i mean mercer mercer's argument has i mean pamela's argument the rich should be protected let everyone else die mercer's argument that's wrong we <laughs> should save people you shot a child you don't get to you, you we don't want to follow you anymore pamela's rebuttal uh-uh fuck I mean, you that's why <laughs> her argument you know and and so there's just you know and then gabriel's like I'm opening the gates. Yeah. Pamela's <laughs> like, shoot that priest. And and the lady, the lady second in command lady who magically appeared last week, and I've not had a single good thing to say about, uh, is like, what? Shoot the priest. And like, wait a minute, are we the bad guys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, and Pamela's argument is. If we let them in, the dead will get in. Probably. Maybe we should have thought about that before we retreated to this area. Yeah, they'd have been fine a half an hour ago. Why'd you fucking you wait? God, you idiot lady. Yeah. So, uh, so then. <sighs> You're about to mention the thing that I was going to bring up if nobody else did. So then, like. Daryl stands up on an apple crate he found somewhere <laughs> and makes this impassioned speech about like helping one another and everybody being friends and you know this land was made for you and me and and it's like Daryl he, he mentions the title of the show yeah he says we are not the Walking Dead, which is, you know, again a callback to when Rick said we we are the Walking Dead. But it's just one of those things that's like, Daryl, well, you're not you're not a great order. This is why are we doing this? Why, yeah, why did you give these lines to Daryl when you could have given them to Ezekiel? You could have given them to Aaron. You could have given them to Carol. And it would have worked. You could have given, of course, to, you know, the religious figure who's walking toward the gates. Mm -hmm. You could have given them to anybody else except the one character who's like, I don't think Daryl would have said that. Not, I mean, not like that. Yes, he's not, he's not an eloquent orator. He is not there to, Daryl is not there to be like, I'm here to make the speeches. Friends, Roman countrymen lend me although we do see some daryl do something we haven't seen him do in 
years on the show tonight. He wipes and pushes his hair out of his face for a second. <laughs> it doesn't last, though. It flops right back down. So anyway, Daryl's impassioned speech uh, makes uh, the second-in-command lady change her mind, and they arrest Pamela and Maggie and Negan, who are watching this from a high vantage point where they're going to, to shoot the governor with a, with a sniper rifle, be like, oh, oh, she's going to get arrested? Well, I guess that's fine for us. I, I mean... Oh, she's going to hate that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's basically Negan. Well, and, and Negan, speaking from experience, says yeah. he's the kind of person who being put in prison is going to be worse. Killing him was too easy, which is mm-hmm. exactly what Rick's argument was to Negan is right. killing you would be giving you an easy way out. You get to live knowing that we've moved on without you. Yeah. And that's very much what we get here. Right. But, <laughs> but they open the they open the gates, let everybody in. Nobody gets crushed to death in the panic of the hundreds of people streaming through that gate. Everything is fine. Princess wanders through the crowd of panicked individuals who are screaming and running for their lives with no trouble. That's not how crowds work, folks. That's just not well, not only not only that, but but uh jerry jerry and uh that guy who used to wear a mask and we thought was going to be a total badass but turned out to be a complete pussy they're in there in that group too and they get in and they're totally fine and i was not expecting to see a happy ending for jerry well it's because they painted a target on they've been painting a target on jerry since we met jerry yes jerry Jerry has magical powers of levitation and whatnot true well honestly given our experiences with Jerry throughout this show, Jerry might be the Buddha. Mm. It's entirely possible. He is very Zen most of the time, except for here. He's very panicky because he doesn't know where his wife and kids are. So, (laughs) so then they shut the gates and decide to let Pamela wander around. (laughs) Uh, She wanders up to the gate because who has come back to, to, to drive the, her fall to its complete, perfect place. But Lance, Lance, arrow sticking out of his neck, is just there. <laughs> yep, that was a surprise. I mean, that was the only surprise for me. It was but... completely ludicrous, and I loved it. I absolutely loved the fact that Lance was there because I was like, yay, Lance! <laughs> I, know, and, I kind of forgot about him till that moment. And she kind of like walks up to the gate like, Lance, how, what are you doing? <laughs> how, how much we've lost, how far we've fallen. Let me just end it now. Right. And that is a callback to the comic book because that is how Carol died originally in the comic. She uh, went a little crazy. And a little murdery. Carol Carol didn't kill anybody. Uh, In the comic book, Carol uh, tried to suggest a triad relationship with Rick and Lori. That's right. And Lori, like, freaked out and was like, no. No, I don't want to do that. 
And so Carol dejected went and fed herself to a walker, which was real stupid. But, you know, what are you going to do about it? Uh, and so that's what we get a little bit of here, except Maggie has come down the stairs with the sniper rifle and shoots the Lance uh, walker before before Pamela can feed herself to it. And she's basically like, no, we're not doing this. You're not, you don't get to do that. <laughs> and so the decision is made that they are going to lure the walkers inside the estates and then use a controlled explosion to blow them all up because there's too many to fight them all off one-on-one and they can't let the weird walkers who can do strange things out so we need to do it this way and this is why we're doing it this way and shut up that's why it certainly is a, a the the biggest controlled explosion i've ever seen a cgi artist make right I'm trying really hard to figure out how they managed if you're going to put all of this explosive fuel down in the sewer system how they managed to stop the sewer system that clearly extends to the other parts of the community how they suddenly blocked all that in these giant sewer tunnels how it only exploded there and not race that that those fireballs racing through those other tunnels and blowing up other parts of the community I don't know how that works because I'm pretty sure that's not how it works, but whatever. <laughs> right. Well, anyway, it works. And we get this great, like, everybody gets, everybody who got away got, gets away. And they have a, a, a family dinner, which is one of those things that Carl dreamt about back when he was... Uh, alive he wanted everyone to be able to get together and uh at that dinner is when rosita tells everybody that she's got a, a bite and uh they, that whole thing happens and negan and maggie have a really interesting conversation where negan maggie says when i look at you when i for the longest time when i looked at you i saw how glenn died and it was so, all I could do, feel was this pain and hatred and anger. But over these last, I've, I've come to see another side of you. And while I can never forgive you for what you did, and there are probably going to be times I am not going to be able to look at you, you have earned your place in this community. You are one of us. And you can, you please stay with us essentially you can stay with us if you want she also says i don't want to carry this hate anymore and mm -hmm. i don't want my son to see that someone else has that kind of power over me Which and i, I think, thought was very profound yeah i i liked i liked that scene a lot because if she had said i forgive you i don't know how i would feel about that that was probably a very long conversation in the writer's room or maybe even on set where she gets the script and says, I would never say that shit. And then they're like, all right, get a rewrite. Well, call Bethany. 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 <laughs> Considering that, that Jeopardy Morgan has more than once pointed out that 
there are times when he and other cast members have done exactly that. He's had a couple of times where it's like Negan wouldn't say that. Negan wouldn't say it like that. It's entirely possible that they did try and write it so that she forgave him. And probably both of them would have looked at the writers and gone, no. <laughs> because the thing is, is that Negan, Negan's redemption arc doesn't actually end, shouldn't, I don't, I don't, I don't think his redemption arc should, should end with him being forgiven. It should end with him being accepted. Yeah. And I think that's where we get here. If he's forgiven, you can't, these are all people who have done terrible things that Carol points that out a little bit later. Yeah. Um, that that's the world, but don't forget, but move on and forgiveness yeah. isn't required. Right. Uh, yeah. But we don't ever see what decision he makes because, oh, oh, the whole time all these things are going on. Daryl is wandering around like a true creeper watching. Like he gets to watch all these people have these like super intense conversations. Like he watches uh, Rosita's last moments from the doorway and he like sees Negan and Maggie have this conversation. And like, it's like, dude, we get it. You're popular, but you don't get to watch people have catharsis. Well, it's all part of Daryl's extended farewell tour because... Right. Cut to a year later and everything is perfect in the Commonwealth. Eugene is the new governor. Mercer is the new lieutenant governor. Eugene oh, is no, not no. the new governor. President. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Ezekiel. <laughs> Ezekiel <laughs> is the new governor. <laughs> Ezekiel <laughs> is the new governor and Mercer is the new lieutenant governor. Speaking to the tiniest segment of the Commonwealth's population, there's like 50 people in this shot. And this is this memorial park that they've built is not that big, but I guess it's just these old people can be bothered to show up for this, this whatever it is. Well, my biggest gripe, and Curtis said, said this while we were watching the episode, but it's like, because they built this huge memorial in a year. They well, built this memorial. Not only did they build this memorial, but now everybody's dressing like it's Star Trek times in a year. Okay, remember though that what we blew up at here were the rich people's houses, not the industrial part of town. Mm -hmm. And if we can accept that the Commonwealth has giant printing systems that can make you giant Nazi banners that you can unfurl down the side of captured territory, if you can, that they are, are still able to create cash, they've got printing presses and and yeah, they've got some place where they can do brass work and all that sort of stuff. They, they've uh, regulated Pamela to the sprinkles mines. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking sprinkles. So yeah, you could build, you could build something like that in a year or they, yeah. what they probably did. Okay, look. Oh, we skipped over Carol, the Carol and Daryl, Carol conversation with, with uh yeah with probably better probably better go back to that before i start bitching about how difficult it is to operate a foundry <laughs> so former governor governor annie lennox has been locked in a cell and she's like politics is 
ugly. What are you going to do when you have to make the hard decisions? And Carol doesn't say, bitch, we were running a community. Like, we, this is not our first rodeo. Like, we've done this before. <laughs> she also doesn't bring up the fact that she's made some pretty hard decisions on her own. Thank yeah. you very much. Look at the flowers. You're not even doing this. <laughs> Yeah, look at them flowers. Pamela is is trying to be high and mighty about hard decisions to the wrong woman. Mm -hmm. And the fact that all Carol does is say, well, we'll figure it out. <laughs> and well, at we least are. we she don't goes. have to decide who lives in your house. <laughs> so we already made a hard decision. We decided to keep you alive. Right. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah, that's not the hard decision that she's had to make, really. But yeah, no, it's a great line. I wanted a little more fuck you out of that scene myself. I, I would have appreciated uh, a little bit more of a, uh, you're a piece of shit kind of, <laughs> kind of dialogue. Yeah, but you know, this is Carol, though. And I think this is where, where Carol ends up in this brave new world. The job Carol ends up with. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay, so, all right. So now we jump into head in the year, and everybody is happy. Yumiko and uh, her her lesbian lady are back together, and, and Daryl is doing his, I guess, like you said, magical mystery uh, farewell tour. And because he's in the Commonwealth, and he's saying goodbye to Connie, who is now running the newspaper keeping keeping uh, keeping the government honest and they have a very very like it's very nice let's shake hands and say goodbye uh kind of... yeah <laughs> you know even though there are members of the audience okay so there's there's always going to be that segment of the audience who's going to prefer that daryl is essentially ace that's fine but there's a segment of the audience that would have looked at that relationship between the two of them turning into something more as working so i mean oh yeah i i am of the opinion that i personally uh, per i am in that camp i like the idea of the fact that daryl has been asexual this entire run of this show there are times when he's had romantic interests in people yes that's true i think connie is one of those people i think leah was one of those people and i really think that if they would have done, if they had done a, if, if, if the actress who has been playing Connie hadn't been cast in a Marvel movie and, you know, had to be shuffled off stage for a little while so that she could go and be an eternal, then that weird love triangle would have been really cool, I think. I would have accepted that. Yeah, but I'm, the fact that they didn't, uh, I really liked better, personally. It just makes moments like this seem very much like you feel like it's being pulled back. You know, mm -hmm. it, yeah, like you said, it's very much a fare thee well, fine friend kind of moment. And it's <laughs> like, shouldn't this be a little more, oh, well, whatever. Yeah, so uh, so then Daryl heads back to Alexandria, which is now fully integrated into the Commonwealth. 
and kind of says goodbye to Maggie. Maggie says almost verbatim what I said somebody, probably her or Carol or somebody, was going to say in this last episode. Maggie goes, we spent a lot of time surviving and we don't know what's out there. Maybe it's time that we figure it out. And we're so glad, Daryl, that you are going to be the one to go out into the world and figure out what is in the world beyond. That was one of our shows and it was widely panned. And you have to leave before I do, considering that the show that I'm in takes place later than this. <laughs> off to France, you fuck off. Well, well, he doesn't get there. Uh, so yeah, so he's leaving to go on an exploratory mission, essentially. He's going to go see if he can figure out what is, what is out in the world. Now, there's um, one scene with Carol. Yes. Which is actually kind of two scenes with Carol, but the one the one by the water where she's just, you know, it's a good day for you to leave. It's really nice. You know, I'm sad that you're leaving. And he goes, you know, I'm glad that you took Lance's job and made it something that could work. And I'm thinking, Carol is the spy master. Carol is the <laughs> Carol's, Carol's the head of the CIA. <laughs> like, this is perfect. <laughs> I'm on board with this, but it also gives us a reason for her not leaving with Daryl so that we have our explanation as to why, you know, because in the real world, she's not going to be part of the first season. Um, there's talk she's going to be involved with the second season, but it's just talk at this point. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's, you know, and it also is in many ways, these two characters being true to, true to themselves. Carol is a mother, and while she is also a fearsome warrior, she's really works well as part of a community. Yeah. And Daryl is much more of a loner. And that's these are that's true to these two characters without, you know, changing them in ways that don't work. And I liked the fact that we just got to have two friends sitting there talking. Mm -hmm. And the two that have survived, they're the only two left from the original season. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that we got to see them together, just the two of them saying goodbye, because they are, you know, the ones who have been through this together the longest. And they're the, words they're the ones who have kept me engaged this entire time, those two. Yeah. The words get said, too. You're my best friend. I mm -hmm. love you. I love you, too. You know, those are, those are the words. We've heard them before. Mm -hmm. How long ago was it that we heard Carol tell Daryl she loved him? It's been a while because they had that huge fight. You know, they kind of lost each other for a while. So this is this this part really wraps up well. Yeah. So we watch Daryl jumps drive off. Yeah, he rides off on his motor motorcycle, and we get the well, last last looks at the various road sets little sequences we've gotten to see before it's like i i know those trees mm -hmm. yep now that was the uh end of the first ending of this that has more endings than the lord of the rings not quite as many but close yeah i'd be careful about like six that. endings in this fucking thing yeah but there's 23 at the end of the lord of the rings 
<laughs> and that's just the one you saw in the theater. That's not yeah, that's not the extended cut. I mean, my God, that's that is one, the half one hour. that I think wins. The one that I think wins for endings is AI. That movie ends six, seven times <laughs> in just like, oh, like at first, the first time it happens, you're like, oh, like the when he when he falls to the bottom of the ocean and to the into the to the there's the blue fairy statue there. And it's like he sits there and asks, please, Blue Fairy. I was like, oh, how sad and beautiful. And then it like kept going, kept going and kept going. It was so bad. Anyway, so now we get Rick saying, saying stuff. And he's like, I've always been a survivor. We've always been, you know, the ones who live, you know. <laughs> So this I didn't understand any of that. I was like, well, okay, where the fuck are you? Why are you talking? Okay, so he's writing like a okay, go ahead. So this is our narration sequence where we are a showing the thoughts of Rick and Michonne as they write things down, right? So this is right, this is that trope where you see someone writing and then you hear what they're writing. Okay, so we got that going on, they're cutting back and forth. But it's also our time to show everyone who has ever been on this show that anyone has ever cared about. Yeah. On the good guys side. The bad guys, we don't we don't care. But the good guys, so it's like it's it's the montage of all the peoples. And Rick's talking about the living and the dead and how everything came together to get him to this place. And and he thinks about them every day. And, and Michelle, you know. so so who he's who he's writing that to? Um, I, I think it's supposed to be writing it back home to, to Michonne. Um, right. Where she's writing it to Judith. But the thing is, is that these two, it, it, it really was weird for me, even though chronologically that makes sense because he doesn't know that Michonne has followed looking for him. Right. But these two scenes are taking places at different points in time because we see both of them with that iPhone that's got the, the the picture drawn on it. So Rick still has it. So this is much closer. This, this, is a, this is something that's happening in the past. Yeah. Whereas Michonne's is happening probably in the, well, probably in the past too, because a year has gone by from the main show. So it's a really weird thing because neither one of these stories, I think, is taking place. I mean, at the in, point in the story where it's, where right. the point of the story, what we have just seen. Yes, but I agree with but, you. But there's nothing there that says this is a flashback. But it's a flashback. It's just it's it's awkward. But we get to see all the people, and I like that. Yeah. I like the fact that we got to see all the folks who were on the show and how some of them look so damn young. Because mm-hmm. it starts with season one and shows like uh, Lori and uh, and, uh, and yeah. And it's not it's not actually in chronological order because we uh, we get Herschel uh, the the Herschel the farmer like toward the very end and but we get like a shot of Daryl that's like from season two or three and it's like you were very young then you're a sweet little innocent baby child so yeah I mean it's it's well it's it's the emotional hits you in the feels kind of thing right it's like the look at how far we've come. And also, let's set up the Rick and Michonne show. Yeah, that's what that's what I could have done without. I'm like, 
Fucking just show a commercial. We don't. Well, but this is the thing. There have been root. All I have is questions about when the fuck did Michonne learn leathercraft? Oh, oh my fucking god, Curtis! I, 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 I understand, but I cannot. I cannot take any disparagement of that outfit. Not, when not it, disparaging it. When it back, like I don't want any. I want to suspend my disbelief and think that I want to believe in my heart that in the woods she learned how to make uh, leather out of deer skin and she built that outfit. Oh my God, Curtis! That outfit, what that armor, that leather fucking armor with the chainmail piece and the tits. Oh my God. Well, that the, the chainmail was uh, wool. It was wool that was woven to look like chainmail, but it was so fucking good. It looked oh, great. So it's people good. are going to cosplay the shit out of that, and I love that it was basically <laughs> samurai themed. Uh huh. And that was really cool because I had a kendo outfit that looked very similar. My pants were poofier though. She had, but I mean, I her look, legs are better. Look, for those of you listeners who don't know, I do I do leathercraft. I'm very good at it. I've taken a long time to get that way. And uh, the stitching work on that was on fucking point. And you cannot do that with speci- without specific tools. What we and- don't see is the scene where she comes across a settlement of leather workers and she saves yes. them. And in in their gratitude, they're all they're all spanking each other while while she steals their equipment because they're leather people. (laughs) She comes comes across a roving group of gimps, and (laughs) and she saves them. And in their gratitude, (laughs) and she goes, "No zippers," and they're like, "What?" She's like, "No, no, (laughs) I'm good. Everything's got to be laces." At some point, she learned how to brain tan animal skins and and how to make them. How to where she she probably used walnuts for her leather dye. Well, and the fun thing about this this uh, this juxtaposition is because when you see fully, you see Michonne. It's like yes, yes, I fully one hundred percent accept the fact that Michonne has become a leather clad samurai warrior s where she rides her horse her battle pony into hordes of walkers yes i accept it fully and i have no notes honest to god God, i thought it was the most badass part of the episode but it's still i didn't get it and then it cuts to rick and he is filthy and sweaty no shoes on like his little toesies inches away from walker bites and I was also like, yes, I accept this fully. Like, this is exactly where I expect Rick to be. <laughs> well, but Rick is an escaped prisoner at this point. Oh, he's- yeah, this is, this is where, remember when Michonne first decided to leave, this is the note that he was writing to her because he threw it up on the deck of that boat in the pack. And that's the pack she found. Right. So this is where, this is where she ultimately will get that iPhone with the image on it, which starts right. her quest to find him. So, but the thing is, Curtis, if you didn't watch that episode, you wouldn't know that. But it is a nice shot where, you know, he's standing on the beach and they're like, come on, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was cool. Come on, Rick. 
You know that there's no uh, escape for the living. And clearly this is not the first time he's tried to escape because they're almost just like, what again? <laughs> and I like, because I, I, I like that, come on, Rick. <laughs> that casualness. It's not like, escaped prisoner 316, get back in your penance. More like, man, are we doing this again? <laughs> right. I like and uh, except for when they show the wide shot, the boat is not where it was when we saw it last. Because that was on the coast of, of Virginia. The boat is somewhere in New York. Yeah, and so you're supposed to go, ooh. On the Hudson, right on the Hudson River there, looked like. Well, mm -hmm. there's enough time in between those two periods that, yeah, that boat obviously got moved. But gonna, yeah. I'll tell you the truth. Um, after those sequences, which I did not much understand why they were shoehorned in there. I mean, I get it. I do get it. I just, uh, I was like, I probably wouldn't have done that. But I, they're not going to hire me. We've been through this. Um, I am really excited for their show, for their miniseries or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to find out how in the fuck Daryl goes to France. How? Okay, so I will tell you that I read an article about this, and from what it says in the article, essentially the first scene is Daryl waking up with a bag on his head in France. Oh! Yeah, he doesn't know how he got there either. I accept this. And he, like, spends the whole, like, that's part of, like, how did I get to France is part of it. Yeah. And like he said, it's really fun because we're not pretending like Daryl got an A in French class back in high school. Daryl doesn't know what the people around him are saying. He's just like following. He said, it's really cool because I'm just like following people around, hoping I'm, this is going to be okay. Well, and he, he doesn't have the body language cues that he's very familiar with because the, the body language we pick up some of it's universal but some of it is very cultural yeah and so yeah it's it's i read i probably read the same article it was it was he was like this is a lot of fun because it's all yeah it's like reinventing the show so we know that that daryl and or, or i'm sorry rick and michonne's show is going to be six episodes mm -hmm. dead city is going to be six episodes i don't think we know what the what the season runtime for daryl's show is yet I kind of like the idea that they're looking at these like these contained stories. Yeah. And that they're not super long, like six episodes. Okay. I mean, you've got to, that's an economy of time. Well, if you will recall, season one was like eight, eight episodes. Yeah. And so it was it's a tight season. So, you know, there, I think they might be using that as they're like, okay, we're going to go back to basics until we can like rebuild well i mean somebody we've got, we've got a budget for one show but we've got to do three well that's probably part of it it is going to be cheaper but i think that they have to be aware that this show has had all kinds of episodes and it's been like you could have cut this entire episode but five minutes out entirely and slotted that five minutes into this episode which had 15 minutes you could have cut out there's a whole lot of padding in this show 
hey, I, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm interested in seeing what happens. And I want to see the conversation where Maggie says to Negan, we have to go to New York, especially considering how we've ended it here. Yeah. Right. So is is Rick getting arrested by the helicopter guys or so when last we saw Rick Jadis the tall lanky woman who led the group of weird artists yeah she was connected with the CRM and called them so the helicopter came and after Rick blew up the bridge they took Jadis, Rick away. Yeah, Jadis found him and uh and used him as a kind of a bargaining chip to get picked up herself and rescued from uh, whatever was going to happen to her. I don't even remember. It was fine because we haven't seen Jadis since then. She shows up in World Beyond, but we didn't watch those episodes because we gave up on that show. Yeah. Oh, God, we're going to have to go back and rewatch it, aren't we? No, we're, no, we're not. I, I will see what episodes we should watch in terms of lore right so the mm. things we have to know i will i will do that for us and then make you make you watch those episodes so you can suffer a little bit like me but i won't put you through all of it but i'm also very interested to see where we're going like how we're going to get michonne and rick together and you know if if their kids are going to be involved and you know, well, and, and to some degree, from a writing standpoint, this is going to be better for them because you don't have to write 25 people. The main cast and the extended cast of The Walking Dead is huge. Right. Daryl and then everyone else is a secondary character. No matter how important they are to the story, they're all secondary characters. Daryl is the star. You've got Maggie and Negan. They're the stars. Everybody else is a secondary character right rick and michonne same thing so i mean this from a writing standpoint this might be a lot easier and a lot cleaner maybe not this is the walking dead they could they've they've let us down before mm. oh yeah but you know the they're they're like they're like thank god we only got to write for a couple of people i mean <laughs> i mean we'll throw we'll throw in our our conflicts and all that stuff but geez, we don't have 25 fucking stories to follow. And so it's only going to take six or eight episodes, you know? We're just going to do that over on Fear the Walking Dead where... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now, I can't wait because I feel like because Fear is moving back to Georgia from Texas, mm -hmm. I have a feeling they're going to pick up some, some Walking Dead folks. They could pick up some Walking Dead folks, but... I think that we are looking at a soft reboot coming. Yeah, I do too. I think Eugene's the only one who's going to manage to get there. He and he and Max are going to take their baby to. No, they ain't going nowhere. They ain't going nowhere. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Um, I okay. So, final thoughts. We have watched The Walking Dead. Dustin, you and I have made it through the entire thing. We have done this to ourselves willingly with only a minimum of tears. And, and I only I only threatened, screamed and cried and threatened to quit one time that I can recall at this moment. At this moment, yeah. Um, I, look, the shame drinking um, that resulted from 
watching this show really was kept to a minimum on my end. Um, but yeah, so we made it through the entire thing. Curtis, you've been through a big chunk of it. Rather large chunk, yes. Um, and the fact is, is that it's 11 years. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty solid, that's a solid run for any show. That's right? more than solid. Most shows like, don't make it past. And three. when you consider genre shows, oh, this God. might be the longest running genre show in the history of television. Uh, continuously running, that would still be Doctor Who, but uh, maybe American television for genre. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. I have to. I have to check. But um, yeah. So, all right, guys. In a few words, has it been worth it? I'm uh, I feel okay about saying goodbye to this show to this particular iteration. I do too, actually. Honestly, feel feel okay about it. Uh, um, you know, it would be more bittersweet if this was the end of the franchise, Mm -hmm. but I know there's still torture to come, so it's like, yeah, like this didn't really end, it's only a brief respite from the pain. Yes, I. I agree. I'm. I would still say that if people, if someone asked me, I would still say I'm a fan of The Walking Dead. And you know, and yeah, I, I do like the fact that I've seen every episode, and that we have done episodes and written about it and stuff for as long as we have. I really feel that. I feel that that is something that I. I don't know if I would say it's a contribution. But it's definitely enriched my life, and mm-hmm. I hope that it's been enriching to other people's lives. And and like I've said last week, like I feel like I've been with this show and been more committed to this show than any show I've ever watched. And like, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Battlestar Galactica, Orphan Black are all seminal shows in my mind that kind of are very much like this is what I, when I look at my fandom core these are the kind of shows that I look at and I have to count Walking Dead as one of those shows I, so I'm I have, really glad that we stuck with it as long the whole time yeah 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 I think I think you guys should be admired for not taking the break that I did but I should also be admired, admired for taking the, the break, break that I did yes. no I agree right. So here's the thing. I don't think that if we were not doing this show, I don't know that if I would have stayed with The Walking Dead. Because there have been points in the course of this show where it's like, this is the worst damn writing. Or they have just completely made this character not work for me. Or we, we've we had plenty of moments where it's been like, what the hell are they doing? Right. No, I agree. And I the thing is, is that because we've been doing this show, uh, because I've been hanging out with my friends doing this show. And that's really, that's the biggest contribution. Okay, we've talked about this before. We do this show because we have a good time talking trash on things that irritate us. We're all writers. Um, and, but a lot, biggest part of this is I'm hanging out with my friends. Whether, and and especially now we're all in different places. It was great when we could do it on your couch. That's there's no yeah. question. When it when it was a big social event and we were having dinner, that there's those were fantastic. But we're in different places now. So this has a different weight for me because I get to see my friends. 
um, that we wouldn't normally get to see each other. And I'm glad we stuck with it, but I'm pretty sure that if we hadn't been doing this together, I would have sat there and went, isn't there something else on? And to be fair to the Walking Dead folks, I would have missed out on some good stuff. There've been a lot of good moments here along the way. Yeah. Curtis and I will say, I'm, I'm glad that they, because I, I, I said this, I think way back at the beginning of the final season, three years ago, mm-hmm. um, that one of my, what I really hoped from the show was that I would get more happy endings than sad. Right. And that they would spend more time dealing with the aftermath of this war than the be- than going through it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for the most part, I got that more, I got more hope than downer. And I definitely got more uh, dealing with what happened afterward than, you know. Now you get spinoff series to tell you even more what happened afterward. Yeah. I'm still fucking sick and tired of zombies in general, though. Oh, well. Well, I will never watch a zombie movie that comes out. Okay, have you seen One Cut of the Dead? One Cut of the Dead is so good, Curtis. I'm not going to watch a zombie movie. Oh, no. Seriously, One One Cut Cut of the the Dead, dead, you've got to watch. Actually, you know what? No, you don't. Because next week, we're watching One Cut of the Dead. Okay, cool. All right, fine. (laughs) Don't watch it. Everything Don't read anything about it. Continue to ignore it completely. Okay. And we are watching one. I'll tell you. I'll t- um, is is Black Summer coming back? I, I don't, don't know. know. I loved that show. I'm but f- Z Nation is completely bonkers. Prequel or the series that Black Summer is supposed to be the prequel to <laughs> is uh, all on Netflix. So we can watch that and it's totally completely different one uh but no yeah so curtis night baby i want you to bring your tiredness and and just frustration with zombie movies to one cut of the dead i want i want you to i want you to carry that with you All as right. you walk in the door for that because because i've never even heard of it see that's that's why we got to do this all right folks let us know what you thought about the final episode of The Walking Dead, the main show. Yes, all the different spinoffs. The story continues, but this is still an ending. Let us know what you thought. Let us know what do you think in general. What should we be watching and talking about? Now that we had this gap, we've got ideas. We'd love to hear from you guys. Let us know what you think we should be talking about or what shows we should be watching, what movies we should be watching. Check out our Patreon account if you'd like to help support the show. You can also help support the show by checking out our sponsor, theoutbreakchallenge.com. Save 15% off your first race with the code ZombieRun. And come find us on the various social medias as long as they exist before they get burned to the ground in one form or another. You can find us on the Facebook and the Twitters. And uh, yeah, this has, been, this has been a ride. It's not over yet, but this particular leg of it is. And uh, thanks for coming along with us for it. We appreciate it. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Tim. And as always, folks, thank you for listening. We'll be back on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now, where Curtis will watch One Cut of the Dead. Here we go. (laughs) There's a plan. Join us then. Thanks, folks.
Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved. <laughs>